Welcome to Shorts with Tara and Jill. This is Jill. Hi, Tara. Hi, Jill. All right, I'm going to set the scene here. So I'm stuck in the basement because my kids are, I'm not, and I don't mean that about, I'm so happy my kids are home, but like, you know, I'm kind of a little disheveled. I, I actually did have a little too much to drink last night, which is so not like me, but I feel it. Then Jill comes on with her hair gorgeously groomed, beautiful tap, and a new microphone, a new microphone, <laughs> which I can't even go into. You'll have to talk. I, I am dying with this microphone. So, okay. So I've, I, I've hated my sound on our podcast and I can't seem to get it right because I use my AirPods and they suck basically and they're broken. It's just not good. And so I was like, it's, I'm going to invest in a microphone, which is a hundred dollars. Like it's an investment, but I'm going to see if it's like better sound. So the only problem with it, I don't know. We'll have to see if this is better sound or not because I haven't even tested it. That's how professional we are. Um, and so, but I just have to say, it's like the most phallic looking thing. <laughs> like when I you to, she cannot hold this micro. When you hold it, it actually throws me. I gotta, gotta look away. It's too much, but it totally has made my day. I, I can't even thank you for this gift. It took us about 20 minutes to get ourselves in control to actually start recording because it looks so funny. Oh, in any way you position it, it's just a foul. Like, no way you can turn it or adjust it will not make it look phallic. Oh, my God. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, but I I, uh, I want to chat about a little a little invention that you may or may not have noticed. You probably have noticed. And it's one of those things, like it's it's not often that one of those things comes along where you're like, how did I ever live without this? Like, it's such a basic invention, but it's like life-changing. So like I would, like when I look back in history, I think things like Swiffer, that's like a really good invention. You know, it's like they actually took a bounce sheet and used it under, like under a plastic thing to make a broom. It's like a great invention. And I, I can't say I like use Swiffer a lot, but it is one of those things that I think is somewhat life-changing. The latest thing is spray soap, like spray dish soap. Have you seen this? No. I don't okay. like it. So it is like, it's like a thinner soap. And it's like, so it's like every brand has it now, Palmolive, whatever, like all the different brands. And it has a very powerful schnozzle at the end of the bottle and you can spray with it and it like sprays this foam. So it's almost like you're spraying like easy off or something like that. You can, so it's so helpful and you can spray because you know, with with dish soap, you like squirt a blob of it and then you kind of have to like move it around. There's always too much in one place. This you can like literally target where you want the soap to go and it works really well. How did I ever live without this? I don't know. To me, it just sounds like more work because then you've got to just keep spritzing, like spritzing, spritzing, spritzing. It's a one spritz. It's not, it's not like, it's not like a Windex. Like it's a different, yeah, it's highly pressurized. So it's like one slow spritz and you can get like an entire frying pan a couple times, but like with just one spritz. Wow. I I mean, mean, I got to try it. Someone needs a raise because that was a very, very good invention. I always find it interesting. Like, like that's the kind of thing where you, where you say to yourself, I could have thought of that. 
Like, why didn't I think of that? I've been doing dishes my whole life. Like, what, you know? Exactly. It, it, but it takes long. Like, now, it just came out. You would think something like this would have been out forever. I know. I mean, it's so interesting because you think, when you think about innovation and categories, you know, in, in sort of GDP that are ripe for innovation, you don't think about soap. Like, that's not something where you're like, dish soap, that is, I mean, that there are opportunities there. But then someone comes out with this kind of <laughs> innovation, yeah. and it is life-changing. Well, I'm going to try it, because I really like that. I mean, I, I just find the whole process tedious to begin with, so if anything's going to make it easier, let's go. There you go. Anyways, so I was working on a, a project for a client recently, and... um. I thought it might be helpful to talk about the process of choosing an outside firm for something. So this client was working on um, sort of branding and naming. They were expanding and they were trying to figure out what the right branding and naming should be for this this expanded concept. Um, <clears throat> so they ran an RFP process, a request for proposal process, and gathered a bunch of proposals from different firms and then evaluated the firms and I helped them do this and then um, came up with the firm they chose. So I thought it would be helpful to kind of talk through some of the steps involved in that because I think different, what I noticed because I was working with a team at the client is different people have different you know, criteria. I think different things are important when they're choosing a firm. And it's actually really helpful to have a group of people on a committee or whatever you want to call it, who come from different backgrounds or different roles in the organization, because they all bring something different and can highlight like why a certain criteria is important. So it's sort of interesting. And then do you help them kind of hone in what the top criteria would be? Is that yeah. what you do? Yeah. Um, and sometimes the criteria actually become irrelevant if all the firms have it, right? So like one of those things could be like location, if they're all in the same location, like that's not a criteria, that's not a decision point. You wouldn't make a decision based on their location. If they're all in the same location, that criteria sort of falls off the list. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, the first step is really to try to find the firms to send the RFP to, like to actually like, you know, say, are you interested in bidding on this work? And that's not a straightforward process either. That's something where, in my experience, it's basically just talking to your network and contacts and just trying to get names of firms who might be interested and then having, you know, and this, I didn't do this, but the comp the client did this. They had extensive conversations with a bunch of firms at the beginning to kind of, you know, decide which ones were, could be a good fit and should go through this process of creating a, a proposal and pitching and everything else. And do the firms seem interested in return? Because they, so is it like a two-way street where you are interested in this firm and this firm just obviously needs to be interested in you? Do the firms come back to kind of court them? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So that's why it's really important to have these kind of preliminary just phone calls with firms because you don't want to waste anyone's time. They want they don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste their time. And so you sort of give them like a sense for the budget or they tell you what the budget might be. You know, so, so the budget is always, is typically the thing where they're like, I can't do it for that much. Or, um, you know, usually if 
yeah, that's usually one of the reasons they they wouldn't be interested. Or if they just have too much work and the timeline doesn't work out, like they can't get started soon enough or they don't have the resources to do it or if they don't have the expertise. So you kind of do this, this like initial screen just to sort of figure out who are the, what's the smaller group that's actually going to create proposals. Um, and yeah, you can tell if they're interested by responsiveness. And that's a really important lesson. Like it's not okay to wait multiple days to get back to somebody if there's an RFP process because you're now you're in competition. So if you're interested, it's got to be, you got to get back to them right away. Yeah. Because you'll lose it. I mean, if you, because obviously it's out there. You'll lose it or it's at least it's a ding against you because it's like, all right, so everyone else responded, but this guy didn't. And now he responded, but he was late. And that kind of sticks with you, you know? So you, that's sort of like a little note, unfortunately. So you want to be as, responsive as as possible but it's also on the on the the company running the RFP process should put a timeline on it right so like it's not fair to say you know so and so responded in 2 hours and so and so responded in 4 hours like just say please respond by end of day Wednesday or whatever and then whoever responds within that time frame is good well, um list like maybe like the top 3 or 5 things that going into this process yeah so what we used as a group, and again, like we came up with this list of criteria a little bit piecemeal, like we each sort of had different perspectives on what was important. So we looked at relevant experience of the company, um, so of the outside firm. So do they have, have they done this before somehow? Can you somehow tell a story about what they have done in the past? Um, capabilities, systems, tools. So for example, if they're going to be doing research, do they have access to panels of consumers? Like, do they have the, you know, systems, tools, capabilities, resources to, to get the work done? Um, the approach that they're taking. So the third one would be approach, which is, you know, does it make sense? Like if we're trying to come up with this end product, like a name and a brand, does their approach actually make sense to us? Is there anything missing in the approach? Do we have confidence in their ability to carry out the approach? Um, and oftentimes, like, companies don't really know what the approach should be. And particularly for naming, it's a very kind of fuzzy thing. Um, and so it's it's a little it's a little tough, that criteria, because you're hiring the outside firm because they're the experts and will have an approach. So you just kind of have to, like, look at the different agencies and see which one makes the most sense to you. Um, then the fourth would be culture and chemistry. So, you know, do you like the team? Did, uh, do you feel like you're going to be getting attention from senior enough people on the team? That's a really important one too. It's like, it's very fair game to ask how many, like if you're budgeting this many hours on the team, how many hours are you, you know, senior person XYZ going to be spending on it? Because, you know, oftentimes companies will send in a senior person to pitch and then that you don't see that person for the rest of the project. And it's really important that you have that attention if that's important to you. Um, and then lastly is just price and timeline. So, you know, can they get it done for a good amount of, you know, for the right budget and um, in a reasonable time frame for you? Um, yeah. So those are the main ones. How long, like, I know every process is different, obviously, but like, what is, what would you say is the typical timeline for something like this? 
I mean, so for like a naming, the name, branding naming project, you know, it's hard because you really can, you can do so much in depth research. Like you can really do it like in a, at a Cadillac level and you can really do it at like a Ford Focus level. Like it's really, it's all over the map, but I would say, you know, three months, three to four months is, would be a typical timeline for, for just like, you know, we're just going to kind of do it thoroughly, but not have like PhDs out there researching it for us. Right. Well, that's very interesting. I never knew any of this and I feel well versed. <laughs> so yeah, next time you need to choose an outside firm. <laughs> I know what to do. If you guys have any more questions, ask Jill. Jill, did you want, did you want to add anything else through that fabulous microphone of yours? <laughs> <laughs> nope. All good. Okay. Well, thank you. And if you have questions, ask Jill. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would love to answer any of your questions on future episodes of Shorts. Bermuda Shorts. Jean shorts, short shorts, boy shorts, tennis shorts, cargo shorts, pleated shorts, running shorts, board shorts.